0: Friends, welcome to the Sunday Sermon segment of We Need God. Please listen as Father Caroza offers his homily for today, which was recorded live in St. Anne's Parish. On November 30th, in the year 1896, two boys were riding their bicycles along a beach at Anastasia Island in St. Augustine, Florida, and they came across a sea creature that had washed ashore dead. And this creature had a round body and the stumps of eight tentacles sticking out of it. Now, let's see, do we have any children here? Joseph, thank you for raising your hand, wonderful. Joseph, can you tell us what animal lives in the sea that has a round body and eight tentacles? Octopus. Very easy, an octopus, of course. Anyone knows that. The only problem with this so-called octopus was that the remains that were there weighed five tons. And these tentacles had a diameter of 18 inches. That's about this far around. And the stump of the large, the longest tentacle left was 25 feet long. And they figured out when this creature was alive, it had a tentacle span from tip to tip of 200 feet. Two thirds of a football field long. Obviously, this was a giant octopus. Now, sailors for centuries, had always told these stories of a giant octopus coming out of the depths and you know, reaching up and trying to drag ships down. But people always dismissed it as the stories of men who had been at sea way too long. But here you had something obviously very big. So maybe we finally had proof of the giant octopus. Well, some scientists were called to come and examine these remains to see what they thought of them. And scientists sometimes can be very strange, especially when it comes to mythical creatures, anything from giant you know, giant octopus to Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster. They always seem to not want to be the ones that found the proof or claim you know, the giant octopus exists because they might lose their credibility in the world, especially since they had uh, this giant octopus, they had gathered some of the material from it, and they had photos, but by the time they got there, the thing had washed back out to sea. Well, they did experiments, looked at the pictures, and tried to get them in the size frame of everything to get perspective based on what's in the background. And they did experiments on the uh, tissues that were saved. And they looked at it, and all they could find of it, everything that happened was it seemed like it was an octopus. But they were afraid of that. They were afraid of losing their credibility in the scientific world. So they looked for something else that could explain this. They thought right away, well, maybe it was a giant squid. Now, the giant squid was another creature that had been believed for centuries to be just a mythical legend, until a hundred of them washed ashore dead in Newfoundland one day, and they finally had to admit that the giant squid exists, and now we call it Architeuthic's ducks, So we know that, so they figured, well, maybe this is a giant squid, something we know is there. Except the squid doesn't have a round body, it has an arrow-shaped body and ten tentacles. And the cell structure of this creature was not the same thing of a squid. So they looked for anything else that they could come up with. And there was nothing that seemed to fit the bill. They finally had to give a report, but they were afraid to admit that this was a giant octopus. They didn't want to lose their credibility. So the official report that they wrote up of this five tons of creature with a round body and eight tentacles sticking up, or sticking out were the remains of a whale. A whale with tentacles? When was the last time you saw a whale with tentacles? You know, guys, what's wrong with you? You've got five tons of the stuff stinking in the hot Florida sun. You've got the evidence right there. How hard is it for you to believe that the giant octopus exists? Why won't you believe it? What are you, blind? For centuries, the Jewish people were waiting for God to send the Messiah to them. It was the heart of all of their prayers, every Sabbath in the synagogue, Lord, send us the Messiah, send us the Messiah, over and over again. And the prophets and other writings gave them all the clues, all the prophecies about what the Messiah would be like when he came along. And lo and behold, Jesus comes on the scene and fulfills every single prophecy written about him in all of the scriptures. And people were running around following him and saying, hey, look, this has to be the Messiah. Look at everything he's done. And the chief priests saw all the evidence and said, nah, not him, <laughs> can And you have to look at them and say, hey, guys, you know, what gives here? Why do you have such a hard time believing that Jesus is the Messiah? You've been praying for it. You've asked God to send him to you. He's fulfilled everything that the prophet said he would do. When people are leaving sin behind, blind people are being healed, and so many other things, people are glorifying God again. This man is doing wonderful things, and you don't want to admit that he's the Messiah. Why can't you accept that Jesus is the Messiah? What are you, blind Not physically. It's not that they didn't have enough evidence to believe it. Oh, it was right there before their faces. The problem was they were afraid of the ramifications. Just like those scientists who were afraid to admit that it was a giant octopus because they might lose their credentials in the scientific world, so the Pharisees were afraid to admit that Jesus was the Messiah for a very simple reason. Jesus had called them out on some of the things they were believing and doing, and he even called them hypocrites. And he said, you're not leading the people properly. In other words, they would have had to admit that they were wrong, and they would not do that. And so, even though they had all the evidence they needed, they rejected Jesus because he wasn't working the way they wanted him to work. And of course, that sets up everything that's going to lead into the next few weeks, right until we get into the Holy Tribune of the opposition between Jesus and the chief priests, the leaders of the people. It wasn't that they couldn't believe in Jesus. They had the evidence right there. They were afraid. They could not change. They had too many preconceived notions about what the Messiah was supposed to be and supposed to do, and Jesus wasn't working their way, and so they rejected him, rather than changing and allowing him to work his way and say, all right, teach us, Lord, then what we should do. And we see in this beautiful story here of the man born blind how the Pharisees' blindness is clear for everyone to see. And Jesus works in this beautiful thing we see, a lovely paradigm going on here. As the man who was born blind goes from blindness to full faith in Jesus, the Pharisees are dropping, going to total spiritual blindness. Notice the man born blind. In fact, this is one of the miracles that the man never asked Jesus to heal him. Jesus just did it on his own. And the first thing he notices, he's healed from his blindness. And they ask him, you know, who healed you? That man they called Jesus. That's all he knew about him. That guy called Jesus. Okay, then a little by little they ask him about what do you think of him? He's a prophet. Well, he must be a sinner. I don't know if he's a sinner. I only know he healed me. Well, how did he do it again? Oh, you want to, you, you, why are you still asking me? You know, I told you once, do you want to believe in him now? Well, we don't know where this man is from. We know where Moses is from. And then he starts preaching to the Pharisees. And he's defending Jesus. We know that if someone comes from God, he cannot do deeds such as this. He must be from God. And when they have no answer left... They dismiss him. They bully him. What? You're steeped in sin from your birth, and you're throwing up, giving us lectures? And they threw him out bodily. So as the man is coming to faith, the Pharisees starting right away saying, well, he worked on the Sabbath, you know, because they thought mixing the clay, actually spinning in the ground and mixing it, was considered work that you're forbidden to do on the Sabbath. So he can't be from God. He's a sinner. But others said, well, if he's a sinner, how can he do such great things? So they were divided over him. All right, well then they asked the guy and they refused to believe he was blind until they found his parents. And they said, yeah, he was our son, he was born blind. Yeah, ask him, he's of age, they were afraid of the ramifications. So they questioned the guy over and over again. And as he's responding to them, notice that St. John tells us the Jews refused to believe that he had born blind until they called the parents. They were not buying this. And they look for every reason to throw it out, to dismiss it. And then when even the blind man is saying, how could he not be from God? How could he do something like this if he did not have the power of God working through him? And they resort to the oldest tactic of all, bullying. And then at the end, when Jesus said, I came to make the blind see and the seeing blind, and they said, oh, but well, we're not blind, are we? Because if you were blind, there would be no sin in it. Remember, they thought that if somebody was ill, was blind or ill in any other way, that were being punished for sin. He says, there's no sin in the fact that the man was born blind. But because you think you see God, you think you have it all figured out, your sin remains. And ultimately, their blindness will cultivate will culminate in Jesus' trial before Pontius Pilate. When Pilate says to them, Behold your king, and they say, crucify him. He goes, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answers, We have no king but Caesar. Blasphemy. They should have said, we have no king but God. So the chief priests committed the blasphemy that they were accusing Jesus of doing in front of everyone, denied the Lord and said, Caesar is our only king. And if you look at it carefully, every single crime that they falsely accused Jesus of committing when they sent him to his death, they committed. They committed all the atrocities they accused him of. They became totally blind. But this beautiful story that of Jesus healing the man born blind has become our theme for the second scrutiny with our catechumens who are here to be baptized three weeks from now at the Easter Vigil. And to the five of you who are here, today we talk about faith in Jesus by the power of what he does. Last week we talked about water and the hungering and the thirst for faith. Now today we show when we have faith in Jesus what it can accomplish for us. And so, put your faith in Jesus. You know, there are so many people in the world that do not worship the Lord simply because, like the uh, scientists in our story, and like the chief priests, they have too much baggage, too many preconceived notions about what they expect God to do. And God doesn't work the way they want Him to, and so they reject Him. But if you can see with fresh eyes Allow the Lord to take away the blindness that so many people have of our own preconceived ideas of what we think God should do and allow uh, God to let you see him the way he is and accept him as he wants to do and say, Lord, don't, I'm not going to tell you what you need to do in order to be God. Lord, show me yourself. Show me who you are and show me what you want to, me to be. And if you can do that and come to the Lord with fresh, open eyes, you will find in him such tremendous grace, such spirit, such joy. I have seen people already here in this parish. We have a few of them that are going through it as we speak. who are talking about they've recently come to know Jesus and what a difference it's making in their lives. Do the same thing. Ask him to heal us from anything that blinds us to his truth. And when we do that, he will fill us with his grace, that amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that can save a wretch like me. For we'll be able to say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. May Jesus Christ be praised. Amen. Amen. And now our. Thank you for listening to this week's homily by Father Caroza. If you enjoyed this homily, please pass the word on to your friends and invite them to listen. For more materials from Father Carrozza, please visit www.fathercarrozza.com.